Assalamu alaikum salah. Just before we begin, if you support the Young Smirks podcast and you want to help support the channel, please go to the Patreon below and support us monthly so we can keep up with the shows. We've got lots of content coming up. We're going to have special content specifically for the Patreons as well as a new series on Hijra, inshallah. So please go to the Patreon below and support the podcast. Assalamu alaikum salah. <laughs> Welcome to the Young Smiths podcast. I'm here with my main man, <laughs> Johnny Fantain. Sheikh Abu Osama, Sheikh. Before we begin, Jay Fontaine, I want to let you know, as Allah is my witness, uh, from the time that we met until this moment right now, nothing but love for you, Fontaine, and nothing but support for your podcast and what you do because okay. you keep it simple and you keep it clear for the people. And at the end of the day, I know what you're trying to do is to disseminate authenticity to our mm. community. So I look at you as one of the many brothers from the Ansar Sunnah who are trying to make it do what it got to do in your own lane. So... Keep it coming, brother. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. Barakallah. Sheikh. Sheikh, I just got off the train in Leeds before. <laughs> and I got on the bus and the driver wouldn't change my 20 pounds. So I had to get off, get some change. As I'm coming out of the shop, I just hear, Johnny, Johnny Fountain. <laughs> and I turn around and you're there, subhanAllah. Hey. Look how Allah made us meet. I was coming to meet you, but hey. look how we met on the way, subhanAllah. And I was with my little man, Shaybutul Hamd. May Allah preserve him and Amen. preserve all of our children and protect them divinely from all of the waves of fitting that are, you know, confronting them today. He delayed me because I would have made it back to my house before meeting you. But he delayed me and as a result of that, we met. And that's like what Allah said in the Quran. If Allah wants something, all he says to it is, be, and it's going to happen. So mm. it was surreal to meet you in that way. So oh. you have to forgive me for acting the way I acted. It was just really, no, it blew me away. It's been a long so, time as well. So. No doubt. That's true too. Sheikh, England's changed since, since last time I came. Uh, the Queen has passed away. It was a big event. You know, you see how the people in the UK have reacted. Um, I was quite shocked how... There seems to be so many people who kind of embraced uh, the life of the Queen. And uh, I just wanted to get some comments on what, what you've witnessed and what you think about what's happened. You know, the Queen dying, Prince Charles coming in. You know, it's, it's a topic that some people have been speaking about. We've seen Muslims reacting in certain ways, uh, you know, doing the national anthem in the mosque. Uh, some people praying janazah for the queen, some people doing sujood at the grave of the queen. Um, so I just wanted to maybe comment a bit on this, and then I've got a few other topics as well, inshallah. You have given a number of khutbahs about this issue and lessons since it happened, using my voice and my platform to call to a tawheed, to call to the importance of al-wala bara. And I bring to your attention and the attention to those who are listening that and the very first khutbah that I gave for 2022, the topic was Al-Wala Wal-Bara, 
the importance of al-wala wal-bara. And this was before the queen died. Because one of the problems with these political Muslim groups is that when opportunities present themselves, you see them trying to take advantage of the opportunity to best serve their personal interests. We, we, we have that with YouTubers and things like that. But um, um, knowing that we're dealing with a lot of fitting and drama, that was the first khutbah. So I have a number of um, khutbahs and kalimat and statements that people can always refer back to, that we try to stay consistent with what the religion is saying. But just to comment on this, for me, I was blown away, John Fontaine. I was blown away. I think that I'm still learning. I'm 60 years old, but I don't know everything. I'm still a work in progress. I was shocked that there were Muslims here who don't know whether they are British first or whether they are Muslims first. And as Muslims, we don't have to apologize and acquiesce about what our religion is saying and dictates of our deen. So I was um, really shocked to say the least, at how people went to the extremes mm-hmm. in order to show that they're British, do mm-hmm. things that compromise the religion, making dua for the people who have died on kufr and shirk, making dua and asking Allah to put into the Jannah a person who is the representative of the Church of England. And the Church of England, the Church of England, that's kufr. Mm-hmm. Verily, they are disbelievers, those who say Allah is one of three. Mm. One of three. So the things that I saw just blew me away. And at first, I was getting upset, getting uptight. And then I realized there are nuances that are going on here that um, I wasn't aware of. So let me fall back to the black and just try to get a grip on my own emotions so that I don't say anything that will be... Um, inflammatory and cindery against the dean, but I'm shocked. Another thing, since that happened with the queen, every single week there has been another challenge. Mm. Every single week there's been another challenge. And there'll continue to be challenges, inshallah, because that's the nature of fitna. Mm. And then when the major signs of Yom Al-Qiyamah happen, the Prophet says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, they're going to come like the necklace that has pearls on it and if it's broken, they'll fall off one after another. So we've been dealing with the signs of Yom Al-Qiyamah since Allah sent Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. The Prophet says Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that Ana bu'ithtu bayna yaday sa'ah I've been sent close to the hour. So he's one of the signs of Yom Al-Qiyamah. And that was over 1444 years ago and things have been happening ever since then. But when the major ashrat al-sa'a, the major signs begin, it's like you break a necklace and it falls one after another. But right now, I found that COVID and all these things are happening, they're coming on the mm. heels of each other. And I just think it's important for us to stay grounded mm. and to stay balanced and to stay, um, um, what's that word, tahammal, to be people who are um, are. Not we, we, we can't get along with other people who don't see the things the way we see it from amongst our community members. Mm. Sheikh, I've been following what's been going on online and there's a lot of young brothers 
who were involved in the dawah, who have been from different groups, different Muslim groups, who have been having back and forths, uh, refuting each other. And, you know, my, my uh, intention for my podcast is to try to, uh, you know, make it easy for the everyday Muslim to understand. So a lot, a lot of Muslims, the youngsters, are getting confused by all this. You know, and even the, the, the topics that are being discussed are quite in-depth, you know, theological topics, you know, Akira, you know, which, which sometimes is not for, you know, some of the topics are very advanced. And so it gets quite confusing and it, it leads to people following personalities rather than, uh, you know, following people for their knowledge and, and you know, getting the correct knowledge from the people. So I've seen that even some of the some of these videos you've also been dragged into them as well. So I was wondering if you could make some sense of that for us and uh, maybe some advice to some of the brothers who are active online making these videos. Yeah, I put a, a video out um, giving advice to the Shabab who are specifically from the Ahnaf, from the Maturidi Maslak. Ilmul Kalam, argumentative young brothers. I'm not going to condemn them totally because I think I was like that when I was young. It's a learning curve. And I know when I embrace this religion, you want to be on the truth and you want to, you know, defend the truth. And that youthful exuberance, you don't always have guidance, you don't always know what you're doing. And sometimes a lot of people are not even sincere because it's about fighting for your own uh, personal platform. It's about fighting for your own madhab, your maslak, your sheikh. So I'm not going to condemn them like that. But I will condemn them because they're the brothers who are more advanced than the fanboys who are listening to them and following them. They're more advanced. So they have more responsibility to have a taqwa of Allah So for me, uh, Jay Fontaine, I wasn't going to get involved. Um, but when I did get involved, it was at a time that I thought I can uh, somehow affect the young brothers from the um, ones who were busy trying to refute a set of fear and things like that. But I came to know later on that uh, they had made all of these other refutations that I didn't know about. And they were sensationalizing the thumbnails mm. and the name of the uh, videos. And it became quite clear to me and apparent that there was a lack of sincerity. That it was mm. just about arguing for the sake of argument. And that's what happens when a person gives himself to ilmul kalam. You mm. argue just to win the battle. Yeah. You argue in order to in order to exercise your intellectual prowess over your opponent. It's not about getting to the truth. Because if it's about getting to the truth, you won't need ilmul kalam. It's real simple. Mm. Did the companions understand it that way or not? It's yeah. as simple as that. So I disengaged when I saw that. But I did try to advise those brothers that they were tone deaf as it relates to the reality of what was going on. I will never be a Dio Bundy, a Maturidi, inshallah. Never. Hashirullah. Never. Never. And for any of my children who may be watching right now, I say if any of them 
dies and checks out on other than the sunnah, then I'm free of that because I'm telling them, just as I have in my library a corner in my library of books that contain the books of deviance and deviation, the books that they wrote, a rukun of the people of innovation. Mm-hmm. And I have written there, I did not believe in this. I just have it here as the source, the original sources of what these people are saying. So that mm-hmm. my child won't come after that, find that and say, oh, Abby was upon that. Mm-hmm. So I say to them very clearly, you die on other than the way of alul hadith and the way of the sunnah, then I'm free of that. So I saw that those brothers were just trying to uh, be argumentative. So I disengaged. But I did mm-hmm. advise them that there are people from their community mm-hmm. who, like every other group of Muslims, youngsters, who are in need of dawah. And by mm-hmm. arguing like this with mm-hmm. issues that are above the mustawa uh, mm-hmm. and the level of the average Amr, Bakr, and Zaid, we do a disservice to those people, mm-hmm. a great disservice to our Shabbat. And there's another thing that I'll bring to the table right now that there's no doubt about, and that is we have the ability as people of a serafia to refute. But from the asul of a serafia, from the fundamentals and foundations of a serafia is leaving off argumentation just for the sake of argumentation. We don't argue just to argue. So back in the day, way back when they started to translate the books of the Greeks and the Romans and they started, you know, mixing that up with Islamic knowledge, the scholars of Islam used to say, look, I'm not here to argue about Allah being over his throne and how he's over his throne. I'm not here to argue with that. As for me, like Imam Malik said, I know my religion. You go and look for someone who's in doubt like you. Imam Malik said, do you mean to tell me every time that a man comes to argue with me, I'm supposed to change my religion? He said to the man who wanted to argue about him, argue with him about the ayat, Ar-Rahman wa al-Arsh istawa. Allah Rahman is over his throne in a way that befits his majesty. The man said, I want to argue with you about it. I want to debate this ayat. Mm-hmm. He put his hands in his fingers, not an, an illustration of being juvenile and immature, mm-hmm. but to give him an optic. I don't have time for this. He said, listen, go look for someone who's in doubt about their religion like you are. He said, look, I have a question. If you and I argue and you defeat me, what do you want me to do? He said, you should follow me. He said, what if I defeat you? The man said, I will follow you. Aliman Malik said, okay, what if another man came and defeated both of us? He said, we'll follow him. He said, I'm, I don't have time for that kind of religion. Every time someone comes with an argument, ajdal more argumentative and strong in his argument than the next one, we keep following, and thus we become mutalawin, from the Arabic word loan, loan, color, loan, alwan. Don't be mutalawin in your religion, Mm. unnecessarily. I came into the religion, I was with the American Muslim Mission. I left them, I went to Jamaat Tabliq. So that's talawin, I changed my colors, but I'm looking for the truth. And after Jamaat Tabliq, I got on Salafi, alhamdulillah. But mutalawin meaning something you see today as being haram, you see it tomorrow as being halal, and there's no clear text that made you make that change. So the point is, we have the ability to argue back. But we don't argue back with them. We leave them. Because we know that stuff is going to Afwan, Jay Fontaine. 
that stuff is going to die out. Which yeah. brings me to this other issue, and I'm sorry for cutting you off because mm-hmm. I know it's your podcast. We have an Arabic sheikh here in the UK. He has a prolific profile and presence on uh, YouTube. His name is Sheikh Abdurrahman Dimishqiya. A Sheikh Abdurrahman Hafizullah Wara'ahu by himself, by himself, is more than enough as a formidable foe and opponent to these people. And he tried to give them knowledge. He tried to give them advice and he tried to deal with them. But their way of knowledge and dawah and refuting was so outrageous and so unacceptable that even he, he disengaged. Hmm. You have to disengage because if you were to continue to argue with people like that, then something is wrong with you. Yeah. And that's why the Arabs said, Da'il qafila tamdi. Al-qafila tamdi wal-kilab tambahu. The caravan is crossing the desert. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten car- camels are going. And the dogs run up to them barking. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They make a noise. Those camels don't stop. They say, hey, dog, what are you barking at me for? Hey, dog, <laughs> let me go. That If the camel were to do that, something's wrong with the camel. Yeah. What the camel should do is just kick him in his head or mm. just keep walking mm. and just disregard. You know, Sheikh Damashki has said something very profound. He said, look, you know, we're arguing about the, you know, the debating and all these topics. He said, we don't have time for this. He said, we're living in a non-Muslim country. You know, there's many non-Muslims, Christians, you know, atheists. They've not heard the message of Islam. He said, we need to put our efforts more into that. And, you know, we have non-Muslim family, both of us. And you know how it is. You know, you know, a lot of these people have never heard the message. But the Muslims are, it's like two extremes, you know, some are just busying themselves only in that refutation and some are saying there's no refutation. You know, you need to find that, that good balance. And, and, and I have to say this uh, and interject here, uh, make this comment, that this is not something that those brothers who are from the Deoband Maslak, only they have uh, a, a monopoly on that? No, it's from Salafi people too. This hardcore ajah with tajrih is the same thing. Forcing people to become preoccupied with, you know, the drama and the battles of sheikhs in Saudi Arabia with other sheikhs around the world. It's, it's ludicrous. It's asinine. Wallahi, it's retarded. A sheikh putting pressure on me or you or someone else. You have to go back to America and warn the people about and against Abu Hassan al-Ma'rabi. That happened to me personally. A sheikh told me that from the leaders of this dawah. Mm. Well, he's the leader. Told me, I have to, I have to, I have to. And I told him, I'm not going back to America talking to my mother, who's the real queen, Miss Mamie Starr. May Elijah guide my mother, the queen, to mm. Al-Islam. I'm not going back telling her about Abu Hassan al-Marabi. Uh, what, what, what kind of absurdity is that? So... It's just not for this situation with these Dilbundi brothers. Brothers who are supposed to be on the Sunnah the same way. Mm. Arguing about issues that are um, mm. it's, not, it's not okay. It's a big problem. Mm. A few days ago, uh, Yusuf Karadawi passed away. He was a famous sheikh from Egypt originally. And there's been mixed uh, responses online from the Muslims. Uh, you know, on how to deal with his passing. 
just wondering if you have any comments on that and how you know people from the Ahlul Hadith should respond and react to this. What I have to say first at the top of the list, this is not from the usul of the religion to have a position for or against. And what's the position? Should we make a tarahum and ask Allah and rahmah upon him? Or should we be happy for his death and make the ibraz and publicize that? Allah didn't make that from the usul of the religion. If you don't do this and you don't do that, there's no mu'akhada and no blame on you. When Munkar and Nakir comes to us in our grave, they ask us, who's your Lord? What's your deen? What did you have to say about that man, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? They're not going to ask anybody, what did you have to say about a sheikh, Yusuf al-Qardawi, rahmatullahi alayhi, and this issue? Sad, sad to say, I remember there was a sheikh from Medina who's in boiled in fitna now from his own, you know, I guess what goes around comes around type thing. But he tried to show people who are on a Salafia that you will be asked about some of these things. Mm-hmm. And he was criticizing a good sheikh of Medina, a sheikh Ibrahim al-Ruhaydi, hafidhullah ta'ala, who said, you won't be asked about these issues. So you don't have to have opinions about these things. So that's the first thing. Second of all, you have to be balanced. Those people who have rahma on them and make a tarahum, they have dilil. And those people who want to become happy at what had happened, that he died, his death, that musibah, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun, they have dilil. Why do we have to be so polarized and so extreme in our uh, opinions? We don't have any tolerance of the other opinion when the other opinion has a delil. So our ulama, for me anyway, when I first became a Muslim, the ulama that I know, Al-Imam Al-Albani and Al-Sheikh ibn Baz and Al-Sheikh ibn Uthaymeen, Al-Sheikh Muqbil, Rahmatullah alayhim, Amthalum, they were gentle and they were easy in issues like this. The Gulf War, should they make isti'ana and bring the kuffar and to help them? Or is that non-permissible? They had difference of opinion. But they didn't make tabdir and say, you didn't take my position, you were mubtadi. I get mad at you. Hmm. You mumayyir. You don't know the men had just said if he, You don't know Islam. They were not like that. So I would say, as it relates to this, second thing is, look at the major scholars of, of Islam. You know, the major scholars who have been on the scene for some time and they're known for their rahmah and their ra'fa and their knowledge and their salab in the deen. Like a Sheikh Abdul Muhsin Al-Abad, for an example. You know? mm-hmm. um, the third thing that I would say is, for me, brother, my nafs doesn't allow me to be rough and tough as it relates to a Sheikh Yusuf Qurdawi. I reject categorically his uh, minhaj, the jama'at that he was with, the Ikhwan al-Muslimin, our scourge on our ummah. It is a um, political group, a group that is Almani, even secularist group, dressed in a thobe of the deen. From them are some people who have knowledge, from them are some people who have good akhlaq and so forth and so on. They're sincere. But as a minhaj, it's a problem. And anyone who has an iota, knowledge of al-Islam, 
if he would have come to know about what Sheikh Yusuf al-Qardawi's positions were in Aqidah, his positions in, in fiqh, his positions in p p politics. I mean, it's no way in the world, in, 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 in your right mind, you can describe him as I've seen some people describing him as being a mujaddid. Hmm. If that's the mujaddid in al-Islam, then al-Islam is in trouble. And there's a problem of going overboard and our love and our hate for each other. What I can, for me, I know that I'm a human being that has mistakes. I'm a human being who has children. I'm a human being who has a dire need for Allah's rahmah in the dunya before the akhirah. And that the Prophet told the people, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, erhamu men fil ard, yarhamkum men fil sama. Have mercy upon those who are in the earth and the one who is over the heavens in a way that befits his majesty will have mercy upon you. He made a mm -hmm. lot of mistakes. But then the Prophet says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Man qala la ilaha illallah, naf'atu yawmin min dahrihi. Anyone who says la ilaha illallah, it's going to benefit him one day. If he has to go to the hellfire, he's going to come mm -hmm. out of the hellfire. Mm -hmm. He's our Muslim brother. وَالَّذِينَ جَاءُوا مِنْ بَعْدِهِمْ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا اغْفِرْ لَنَا وَلِإِخْوَانِنَا أَلَّذِينَ سَبَقُونَا بِالْإِيمَانِ وَلَا تَجْعَلْ فِي قُلُوبِنَا غِلًّا لِلَّذِينَ آمَنُوا Oh our Lord, forgive us first. Always you make dua for yourself first. And forgive those who preceded us to Al-Iman. And don't put in our hearts any hatred, animosity, enmity towards those who preceded us in Al-Imam. Sheikh Yusuf Qardawi preceded me and he's a scholar and he has knowledge and he has some virtues. He sat on committees with some of the scholars who we love, we honor, we respect. But at the same time, and this is a lesson, don't go overboard in your love for people because those people who love him, no matter what he said, they want to disrespect it and they want to disregard it. Although they themselves, when it comes to politics, They'll talk strong against the Yahud, the Zionists, against Israel. But he took positions that are baffling, that were pro-Israeli, pro-Zionist. And it is clear that that's what he did. But they'll come and try to, you know, explain it away. And that's what Al-Ghulu does to its Ashab. So we have to be balanced. It's a tough situation, Akhi. We're living in a time of fitna and... Um, we just have to ask Allah for thabat to establish. Ya Allahumma ma ya muqallib al-qulub thabit qalbi ala dinik. Establish me on your religion. Because this is the time when the hearts are, the man wakes up in the morning as a believer, goes to sleep as a non-Muslim. Goes to sleep as a believer, wakes up as a non-Muslim. Us and our children. And so here I come, Abu Usama. I can't speak about you, Jay Fontaine. And I can't speak any, about anybody in this audience who's looking at us. But I know I make mistakes. And I want Allah to forgive me. Allah mentioned in the Quran, لَوْ يُؤَاخِذُ اللَّهُ النَّاسِ بِمَا كَسَبُوا مَا تَرَكَ عَلَيْهَا مِنْ دَابَتٍ وَلَكِنْ يُؤَاخِرُهُمْ إِلَىٰ أَجْلٍ مُسَمَّةٍ If Allah held people accountable for everything that they did, Allah wouldn't leave on the face of the earth a single human being. But He gives them you know, time. Mm. He gives them an opportunity. You know, mm. he gives them an opportunity until there are no more excuses. So for me, I'm going to make dua for the man that Allah has rahmah upon him. And the last thing mm. I would mention concerning this,
J. Fontaine Afwan, is that Jibril told Prophet Muhammad وسلم, who was sent as a Rahmah. Jibril said, Ya Muhammad, lo ra'aytani. If you would have only seen so, see me, Ya Muhammad, when Allah was about to destroy Fir'aun, was about to drown him, Fir'aun said, I believe in the Lord of Harun and Musa. As the Quran said, Amen to be Rabbi Harun and Musa. When Fir'aun said that, Jibril said, I went to the bottom of the ocean, the Red Sea, and I got some dirt from the bottom of the ocean, mud, and I rushed to Fir'aun to put it in his mouth out of fear that he would say, Allah, forgive me, and Allah will forgive him. And Jibril knew all of the drama that Fir'aun created for Musa and the believers with Musa. That's mm -hmm. Fir'aun, man. But, you know, we have such hatred for the Ikhwan Muslimin as a group. For Yusuf al-Qardawi, an individual. You don't want to listen to that. You yourself know that you're drowning gharik in dhunub wa ma'asi. But in some crazy way, you feel justified in being nasty and rough and tough. As for the one who takes the position with ikhlas and yaqeen and ghira and hirs on the minhaj al-salifi and the sunnah. And they say this man did a lot and said a lot that's against the truth. May Allah forgive us and forgive him. He's sincere. And he takes that position that the Salaf used to get happy at times like this. Fabihi wa ni'ma. That's what he's upon. And um, I'm not on that. Allah mentioned in the Quran. Wa quti'a dabiru ladhina dharamu. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Those people were oppressive. Quti'a dabiruhum. They were cut off, destroyed. Nothing was left of them. Bishr and Marisi and people like this, who when they would die, Salaf, they took it as a day to be happy because they're fitna. Allah Ta'ala araha a nas from their mashakal. He like, he like mm. uh, gave the people like uh, tranquility and rest from their mm. problems. Sheikh, I've noticed uh, there's been a lot of fitna happening while we're on the topic of fitna, fitna happening in Leicester. And I think uh, it's also been spilling over to Birmingham as well, um, between the Muslims and uh, the Hindus, and also the Sikhs also getting some stick from the Hindus as well. Um, so how should Muslims be responding and acting to this? We're seeing a lot of the youth getting reared up, uh, you know, some of them even getting violent. Uh, traveling to different cities, even Hindus getting coach loads of Hindus going down to Leicester, marching and causing fitna. How should Muslims react in this in this time? Well, I think from al-hikmah, al-hikmah to taqtadi that I say and I start off with this so people don't misunderstand me. If anyone came to a Muslim to harm him, then defend yourself and defend your family with everything at your disposal. And push back, as Allah said, push back the onslaught and the profit for the problem with what is best. So if someone comes hurling abuses at you, don't punch him in his face and knock him out. That's not what's ahsan. Push back with what is appropriate and comparable. But if they came to attack you physically, then make sure that you practice universal law international law and that is you defend yourself 
Secondly, secondly, I would say to the Muslims, don't take the initiative to have something to do with, you know, compromising social unrest and civil unrest. That's not our religion. Islam came to keep things calm. So marching and things like that is a problem. Don't be with all of these Amr, Bakr, and Zaid people out there protesting. In Birmingham, when they protested in Stetchford, there was a masjid that wasn't far from the Sikh or the Hindu temple, the Hindu temple. Mm. So the people were out there protesting. Someone would say, Allahu Akbar, uh, takbir, Allahu Akbar, which linguistically and religiously doesn't work. I ain't got time to explain that. Takbir, Allahu Akbar. Anyway, they're making all of those takbirs outside in this display in their demonstration. Right around the corner is the masjid. They didn't come into the masjid to pray. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're supposed to be making takbir, Allahu Akbar. The adhan, you repeat the adhan, and from the intiqal of the salat, you're supposed to say, Allahu Akbar. But you're out there doing it the crazy way. And out there with you are people who don't pray. I mean, I saw, I don't know if you saw, there was a situation where my brother, Taymiyyah, he was giving a talk in Leicester, telling people to calm down. One of our young sisters stood up to his left, and she said, I'm the Mahdi. <laughs> I'm the Mahdi. She's the Mahdi. Another sister whisked her off. But because of everybody being riled up, she was even allowed to be in that place because no one is paying attention. This mm. is not a place for a sister to be standing. I won't want my wife there and my daughter there. I've seen that as well. <laughs> I was wondering, even when, before she said that, I was thinking, what's she doing there? Well, what is she doing there? Yeah. And then she stood and she said, I'm the Mahdi. Now, the crazy, crazy <laughs> thing, Jade Fontaine, is that there are people who say, yes, you are the Mahdi. You are the Mahdi. Let me take, you know, let me get your bank details, NatWest, whatever. I'm going to give you, you know, direct deposit so that I can support your dower. You know, Sister Mahdi. And we'll call our battalion, the women's battalion supporting the Mahdi. But the Muslims have to have more knowledge than that. More aql than that. Last thing that I would say about this for me, I mean, you could say more is that Brother, from my research, this stuff has been going on for some time now. Muslims have been getting attacked for a minute now. Authorities didn't do much about it. And then they took the affairs in their own hands. And that's because, and this is important, our community, our religion, we're synonymous with, um, uh, we're a security threat here. So we have to be careful as to how we respond to stuff. Hmm. We're a security threat. So we can't win for losing. They had a member of parliament from India who was on this racist, extreme ideology. She was allowed, given a visa. She came here and she mm. talked about this stuff and it kicked things off. Now, let's put the shoe on the other foot. Can you imagine, John Fontaine, if we were to get a well-known person who's been pegged as an extremist, just as an example, I would say, uh, brother Anwar al-Awlaki, rahmatullahi alayhi, but because he died, I dare not use his name because, as the Prophet said, la tasubul amwat, don't curse these people. They died. They went to get their reward from Allah. Respect that, the spectacle of death. But let's just say that there's a well-known extremist, Abu Qatada, Abu Hamza, these people, Abu Muhammad al-Maqdisi, these people, 
and we were to bring one of them over from America or wherever they are, and we brought him here. The government wouldn't let him in, first of all, but let's say he slipped under the radar. He comes here. And then we go marching in the street saying, down, down, UKK, down, down, USA. And we started supporting ISIS slogans. You know that the security apparatuses will swoon on us and one mighty swoon and lock all of us up? They will lock all of us up. Well, why didn't they do that with those people? Mm. Because it's a double standard. It's a double standard. And that's why the, the, the people who are in control of this system and security, they need to do a better job. But we're not responsible for them other than raising consciousness and making our voices heard mm. by them and to them. What we're responsible for is our, ourselves and our community. So I say to our community, the Shabbat, come on, Ikhwani, wake up and smell the coffee. Wake up and smell the coffee. And I'm not talking about Starbucks. I'm not talking about that. Wake up and realize the reality of what we're you know, living. <laughs> In India, that's the same thing that this racist group does. They send people in the Muslim communities and they agitate. Muslims come out, they burn a bus, and they burn people alive because Muslims have been responsible for committing atrocities, falling into the game. I'm, I'm going to condemn that. But will the racist, extreme Indian uh, Hindu people, the elitists, also condemn what they're doing? They're going to condemn that. So Muslims fall into that, and then the government of India comes down on them like a hammer, just like it happened here. The media was reporting this as if we're the hooligans. Mm. They were reporting it as if we're the problem. And when people see that, they don't know. No, we're not the problem. We're responding. We're having a knee-jerk reaction mm. to what kicked off on our turf, in our territory. Just wanted to speak a little bit about the state of the Salafis in the UK at the moment. It's very divided. Well, I think it's really important for us to be the people who are on the truth and we accept the truth from wherever it comes from. There's a hadith, it's not authentic, but it says, Al hikmatu dalatul mu'min, or al haqqu dalatul mu'min, or kalimatul hikmah dalatul mu'min. All of those are weak. The truth is the property, it's the commodity of the believer. Wherever he finds it, he takes it. So for me, I have problems with the ghulat of a tajrih, a jarh with tajrih. Salafi publications in Birmingham and their satellites all over the world, especially Mr. Rahma in New Jersey and our, um, Philadelphia. And with those brothers being African-Americans and having their own situation that they're responsible for and coming across as being yes-men who are propping up SP is disturbing to me. So for those brothers, there are things that they have from the truth that should be taken. And because of their shidda and their ghulu, because they're rough and tough, people who are trying not to be on that will run to the other extreme. And then on the other extreme, they want to give talks about imaniat, make your heart feel well, and there's no ta'seel al-ilmi, 
as it relates to the minhaj salafi so all of the talks are about feeling good and feel no that's good but that's secondary to knowing the minhaj and being upon the correct aqidah that is a derivative and a far' from the asl the asl is know your aqidah know your religion know your minhaj and other stuff sprouts from that so I don't think we should reject the truth from people because we don't like them or something like that. So why those ayahs tell us to be shuhada for Allah even if it's against ourselves. You won't find a group of people loving those who wage war against Allah and His Messenger even if they happen to be their fathers, their brothers, their tribe and all that stuff like that. We have to say the truth even if it's against ourselves. Unfortunately though, I did hear and I saw that Shamsi was speaking negatively about me which gave me an indication he's a follower. Hmm. He's a follower to the brothers that, I don't know, maybe pandas to them. I don't know. I don't want to speculate. Hmm. But I have heard from people that I respect, people that I believe are balanced, who said Shamsi was teaching and he was giving dawah. So I pray to Allah that Allah helps him to continue with ikhlas hmm. and not to uh, associate himself with you know, a group of people who are clearly something wrong with them. And that's why you find when the queen died, they had nothing to say. Why didn't we, if they're supposed to be the clear Sedefis and the truth is with them and everybody else is Mumayyun and everybody else is not on the true Sedefiyah, they're the real Sedefis. Mm. Well, where's the told you had to Sedefiyah? Were you told just to be quiet and that was Hickman being quiet and you see all of this drama going off, going on? You know, one of the masjids in London, Regent's Park masjid, that masjid did some things that were not praiseworthy when the queen died. Hmm. Having children queen sing God bless the king and all of that. But we know that that masjid who is backed by and who is sponsored by, we don't see those brothers making any inkar about that. I'm making card on that. Why am I making card on that? Because I'm not on Saudi centrism. Sedefia doesn't mean that I have to be with a group with a person a salafi is an ideology and I believe that those brothers have been told Allah knows best you did your job you've divided the salafis all over the globe not just in the UK and in America but in the Arab world Libya everywhere you guys you brothers have done your job you made tafriq of the sufuf of the salafis all over the world and now be quiet Take it easy. So they went quiet because they get, you know, orders from other places. So I believe we have to listen to ulama or we have to make istishara and we ask ulama this and that. But we have to have enough common sense not to superimpose upon ourselves the whims and desires of scholars of different countries. Because some people say, oh, that's sacrilegious what you're saying, scholars. You're talking bad about the scholars. But then the Prophet says, وسلم, he feared scholars who were astray. There are scholars who are astray. I'm not, I'm not making that up. There are scholars who are astray. Yeah. Scholars who have a vested interest and a political interest to use us. The Ikhwan al-Muslimin with this situation with Yusuf al-Qardawi, they've been called a terrorist group. I don't believe they're a terrorist group myself. Ikna and Isna in America, Jamaat al-Islami here in the UK, they're not a terrorist group. What are you talking about? 
But because one country designates that ruling, everybody has to follow. I don't believe that. But by not believing that and not accepting that, I'm outside of Salafia. That's from the usul of a Salafia that, you know, kicks you out. So just to, you know, make it uh, more simplified, I think that we need to take it back to basics, man. Take it back to the time that it was when we had our major scholars here, not this nonsense that came up after. Mm. Stuff that we have now, problems. I mean, it's just problems, which will give us an example and an indication of the noria and the weight, weightiness and the worth of those jibal of knowledge. Al Imam al Albani, Sheikh ibn Baz, al Sheikh ibn Uthaymeen, and al Sheikh Muqbil. And then what we have now, where people are using us to make the tahqiq of their own ahdaf and their own aqrat. When the thing happened with the Gulf War, and Sheikh Al Albani said, we shouldn't make isti'ana with the kuffar. And Sheikh Ibn Baz and those scholars of Saudi Arabia said, we're going to make isti'ana with the Americans against Saddam Hussein. Lohu min Allahi ma yastahiq. Wallahi, I was in Medina and I went with the opinion of Al Albani for many reasons, but never did I once have any an iota of a desire to say the ulama who went against his fatwa, their niyyah is not. Never did I say that. Never did I believe that. I never believed that. Never. It never entered into my head. Whereas now, I believe politics are a problem right now. And I'll leave it there. Politics are a problem. And we, coming from the UK, coming from America, we have to have enough sense to be able to see this stuff. And if a person says it, he's not excluded from Salafia just because he said that. It's my personal opinion. You come and show me the opposite of that and maybe I'll perhaps perchance accept what you're saying. But I'm not going to say it because you look at me funny. You look at me funny. Screw face. And because of that, I'm going to change my opinion because those days are gone of you bullying people. And I think a lot with you for never letting me be of those people who was bullied by you know, people to take a position mm. and to be on a way that didn't make sense to me and I didn't believe in it. And the Kamal is for Allah, brother. So give dawah and be independent and don't be in the air fighting the battle for people who you may have more knowledge than them. You may be more beneficial than them. You may be more effective than they are. And that's what I say as well to Masjid Rahma of Newark, New Jersey and uh, Germantown Masjid. What's wrong with you people? And, you know, propping up these people and we have our own issues that we need to be dealing with about our community. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. Barakallah, Fake J. Fontaine. I think we've got enough there. We spoke about some of the topics of the day and it is nice to catch up. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. Barakallah, Fake. Assalamu alaikum. أحببت ولكن الله يهدي من يشاء